2 Kings chapter 7, 1 through 10, reading from the message, and then we'll jump to 2 Kings uh, 7. The Bible says, Elijah said, listen, God's word, the famine's over. This time tomorrow, food will be plentiful, a handful of meal for a shekel, two handfuls of grain for a shekel. The market at the city gate will be buzzing. The attendant on whom the king leaned for support said to the holy man, you expect, you expect us to believe that? Trap doors opening in the sky and food tumbling out? You'll watch it with your own eyes, he said. This is powerful. The prophets, he doubted the prophet Elisha. He says, you're going to watch it with your own eyes, but you will not eat so much as a mouthful. One version says you won't live to enjoy it. It happened that four lepers were sitting just outside the city gate. They said to one another, what are we doing sitting here at death's door? If we enter the famine-struck city, we'll die. If we stay here, we'll die. So let's take our chances in the camp of Aram and throw ourselves on their mercy. If they receive us, we'll live. If they kill us, we'll die. We've got nothing to lose. So after the sun went down, they got up and went to the camp of Aram. And when they got to the edge of the camp, surprise, not a man in the camp. And the master had made the army of Aram hear the sounds of horses and a mighty army on the march. They told one another, the king of Israel hired the, king of the uh, kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to attack us. Panicked, the Bible says, they ran for their lives through the darkness, abandoning tents, horses, donkeys. The whole camp was just as it was, running for dear life. These four lepers entered the camp and went into a tent. First they ate and drank. They grabbed silver, gold, and clothing and went off and hid it. They came back, entered another tent, and looted it again, hiding their plunder. And finally, they said to one another, we shouldn't be doing this. This is a good day, or this is a day of good news, and we're making it into a private party. If we wait around until morning, we'll get caught and punished. Come on, let's go tell the news to the king's palace. So they went and called out at the city gate, telling what happened. We went to the camp of Aram, and surprised the place was deserted. Not a soul, not a sound. Horses and donkeys left tethered and tents abandoned just as they were. In 2 Kings 7, 16 through 17, the people then looted the camp of Aram. Food prices dropped overnight. A handful of meal for a shekel, two handfuls of grain for a shekel. God's word to the letter. The king ordered his attendant, the one he leaned on for support, to be in charge of the city gate. The people turned into a mob, poured through the gate, trampling him to death. It was exactly, as, exactly what the holy man had said when the king had come to see him. That's a lot. But I want to preach this Pentecost Sunday. And I want to preach as if I were one of the four lepers. So let's pray and see what God has for us. Jesus, we love you. God, we're so thankful for what you've done in this service already. God, it's evident your spirit is here. It's evident that you are moving among your people. God, on this Pentecost Sunday, 2021, God, let us not just come to hear a message. Let us not just come to sing songs that remind us of days gone by. But God, let us come into this place ready for a fresh experience, a new encounter, something that involves your power, your spirit, your will, your anointing. God, we're tired of services as usual. We're tired of marking time and checking off Sunday after Sunday on a calendar where the only thing that moves is the calendar itself. God, it's time 
It's time for us to receive what you've already given us. It's time for us to move outside the camp. God, let's not let life besiege us anymore, but God, it's time to see that what we're afraid of has already been defeated. Help us in your name, Jesus. Everybody said amen. Today we find ourselves at Pentecost. We are more, we are 50 days removed from Jesus' resurrection on Easter Sunday. It was because of his crucifixion, the shedding of his blood, and then his demonstration of divinity by coming back from the dead that we now have access to a right relationship with God. According to the law of God, there had to be a sacrifice. There is no forgiveness, the Bible says, of sin without the shedding of blood. We see that in Genesis. But Jesus came to become that perfect and blameless sacrifice so we could be saved. On our own, we could never access right relationship. Jesus came. He died and rose again. And I have been praying all week that the Holy Spirit would convince us of our sin. Right now, if you're aware that you are far from God, if you realize that you are not in relationship, if you have come to grips with the dread of being uh, headed for punishment and judgment, that's the Holy Spirit. He is convicting and, and convincing so that you will make the first step and surrender your life to Jesus. We have to realize that not only we have people in this room, but those that are watching online, they have a cross section of needs. We are in the same walk, but in different stages. There are some people that have been convicted of their sin, but they haven't made the first step. If you're convicted of your sin, if the very thing that you enjoy doing now makes you feel uncomfortable, that's the first step in your walk with God, surrendering to him, and it's his spirit that actually causes you to feel that conviction. And there's a second step that we're instructed to take after we submit our lives to Jesus. Why are you saying this on Pentecost Sunday, Pastor? Because it's not enough just to accept him. It's not enough just to realize that you're a sinner. It's not enough just to surrender your, your life to God. Good start. Step number one, but it's definitely not the end. There's a second step that we're instructed to, to do after we submitted to him. It's interesting to me that the new church, the early church, was so adamant about this and that we are passive and sometimes even dismissive of this step as Christendom as a whole. When someone in the early church surrendered their life to Jesus, they were baptized in water in Jesus' name. Don't misunderstand that there isn't any magical or mystical power in the water because there isn't. What we must realize is the power lay our lives in going underwater in Jesus' name. It's the way that we identify with this death, burial, and resurrection. It is here that rather than questioning spirituality or our love for God, we must address obedience. See, most people think that uh, people don't get baptized, they don't love God. No, it's not a love thing, it's an obedience thing. See, Jesus is very clear by an example by participating in water baptism himself and also by instructing disciples to perpetuate this step when he said, go into all the world preaching the gospel and baptizing those that believe. So have you been obedient to his example? Have you been obedient to his teaching? Remember, I've stated in the past that partial obedience is complete disobedience. It's not like, hey, have you been faithful to your spouse? Well, partially. You know what they call that? Unfaithful. It's not a little or nothing. It's not, well, I'm kind of, sort of pregnant. No, either you are or you aren't. You're not partially obedient to God. You either are or you aren't. See, we allow our schedule. And our pride, our stubbornness, and our stubborn will to get in the way. We should simply just obey. It is funny because Nora and I were talking yesterday. We went shopping. We had a little date. Um, and it was, they see the signs that says, and, and, and just so you know, that the signs say masks that are recommended, 
And so she, got, she has her mask on. I don't have my mask on. Why is it not? Because it's recommended. It's not required. True. Amen. Yes. But hey, if you want to wear it, wear all you want to. And I, I, I told her, I said, girl, you're such a rule follower. Would you follow them rules, girl? It is funny. We will follow rules that we don't like. Wear a mask. Feels like you're being waterboarders walking around. And all of a sudden, when we get into church, we take commandments as, well, if you want to. It is crazy the things that we submit to willingly outside of church. And then when we see something in the Bible, we think it's optional. We think we can just do whatever we want to do. Why do we do that? Why do we follow? You follow something that somebody printed off about four cents on their old nasty computer. Can't even print on a printer. Can't even print in color. It's not wear your mask. You'll submit to that even though that you've been vaccinated, even though you passed your two weeks, even though they lifted the order and all that stuff. I understand that we still got to be careful, but, but you'll obey a five cent copy, but you won't obey the word of God. So we follow rules all you want to. You can wear a mask. You can do whatever you want to do. But, but please don't be such a rule follower and then come into the church and just think that everything is optional and it's a la carte. This is not a la carte because if it was a la carte for me, I'd get all desserts. When Kendall said, think of the nastiest thing you ever ate, I was like, broccoli or artichokes or anything I can't spell. I, don't, I try not to eat it. But see, our... Our stubbornness, our own will gets in the way. So if you want to be baptized in water, just let us know. We can make that happen. But what are you waiting on? Some people are like, I don't want to get my hair undid. Well, you get it undid when you take a shower. Well, I don't want to get all wet. I mean, you go swimming. This is summertime. It says, well, I don't know if I need to do it again. Well, if, if you're not sure, you need to do it again. But, but see, here it is. We've all talked about obedience. See, the first step is easy. I feel convicted of my sin and I, I submit myself to God. That's easy. Now God will ask for your obedience. I want you to be baptized in water in my name to identify with me. Uh, okay. But we've got to move forward to what this day in history, today, Pentecost, uh, is all about. So I want to challenge your hunger. I read from what may, may have seemed for some people an odd portion in the passage of Scripture. Well, let me give you a little backstory. See, Israel was at war with Aram, which is modern-day Syria. And, and see, now that in, in this time, the, the, the Israel had a divided monarchy. There was a northern kingdom, and it was in Samaria, and they already had another kingdom in, in Jerusalem. And so those that were in the northern kingdom in Samaria, they were rebellious to, to the point that in your story, they don't even list the king's name. And so here's what happened is that the Jews that were in Samaria, they were not in right standing with God. They were not in a good spot. And now they are been besieged. Why did I read that about tomorrow? Because if you read that, that, that history, they talk about that a, for so many shekels of silver, you can buy a donkey's head. So for about, if you do the math, depending on, on what silver clothes that, for about $350, you can buy a dead donkey's head for dinner. How many people want to do that? It got so bad, they're selling donkey's heads. Um, they're selling something from doves. I'll let y'all read it to see what it actually is, but I promise you, you don't want to eat it. It was bad business. It was, people were starving to death, and it was God's people. And so they go to the prophet, and, and the king is so where to go to the prophet, and the prophet says, tomorrow about this time, 
He says, I know that's 350 bucks for a donkey's head, but tomorrow all the, all the grain and all the meal and everything else will be at the, the price that it was before the siege. And they couldn't believe it. And, and so the king's, the, the king's basically royal official didn't believe it. And see, here is the, the first thing that we got to watch out for is the king's number one guy was cynical. He couldn't believe the word of the Lord. He says, basically, are you going to actually tell me that, that the windows of heaven are going to open up? Does that sound kind of familiar? Are you telling me that that can happen? He says, not only am I telling you it can happen, you're going to see it, but you can't enjoy it. Could you imagine Saying one thing out of line. Aren't you glad that we never say anything out of line? One thing out of line and the man of God says, you're going to see it tomorrow and you're not going to enjoy it. The other version says, you're going to see it but won't live to enjoy it. We're talking about tomorrow, 24 hours. We've been besieged. Some people say for years. You got to be besieged a long time because they sent out the last five horses later on in our story. Could you imagine the entire kingdom is down to five horses? What happened to the last? What happened to all the other ones? Mm, they tasty. They were in bad way. See, cynicism is one of the worst things that can happen to a man. See, um, the, the cynic plays it safe. The cynic thinks that everything that happens, somebody has an alternative motive, and it's all about them. So I just want to draw three things to your attention from the text. That the famine is over. The day is... This day, for some people, your famine is ending today. Well, Pastor, I don't understand what you're talking about. You are living so far beneath what God has for you. You think that's normal, that you would actually be content with something that you would never, ever be content for in your life. I am telling you the famine is over today. What kind of famine? The spiritual famine where you feel like you've been besieged by who? By the enemy, by the world. There's obviously a famine of power in your life, but the Holy Spirit was sent to resolve that issue once and for all. I love the fact that you must do more than hear, you must believe. The prophet stood up and declared it was over, but even though the people heard it, they didn't believe it. They would have stayed holed up in that city and died from lack of food if it had not been for the four lepers. I love this story. Why do I like this story? Listen to me. Leprosy was a sign of sin in the Bible. You couldn't, man, you're switching seats on me. Says, Don't be doing that. Leprosy was a sign of sin in the Bible. They could not come close to people. You understand that, that, that leprosy not only had the, the nasty markings on their skin, but it made them feel less than. That when they come into somebody's presence, they had to, scream, had to actually announce unclean, 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 so people could get away from them. So now you have people that nobody actually wants around living outside. You think inside the city was bad? Try living outside the city that is surrounded by the armies of Syria. And, and so now you have people that consider unclean, nobody wants, going to send a message to God's people who are not where they should be. So here's, here's how it goes. They basically look at it and said, we can stay here and die or we can go there and die. But they knew that they couldn't go into the city I can stand here and declare to you that the famine is over all day long, but until you get to a place where you can accept that, you are going to be stuck in cynicism. The problem with people in North America is we don't believe anything is free. If somebody calls and said, congratulations, I just want to let you know that you qualify for a free click. Hello? 
Hello, we don't believe it at all. We think everything is a trap. And when we say that, look, God has paid it all. He's actually paid for all your sin on the cross. He shed his blood for your remission of sins. And not only that, but he poured out his spirit upon all flesh. It's your gift to receive. I don't believe it, pastor. Listen to this leper here. I'm telling you, if you knew who I was 20 years ago, you wouldn't even come to this church. Hmm. What'd you do, pastor? None your business. It's your nosy self. <laughs> Love y'all. Why, why are you saying that? Because, because to me, it's funny that God actually chose me and gave me a microphone to tell people about what's going on outside of where they're besieged. I don't know how many Sundays I've preached in the last 20 years or 19 years, and I see people that, that love God, but they're stuck in their little life. They're surrounded by their problems, by the enemy, and, and they're living in famine. They come to church every Sunday, but there's no power. There's no anointing. There's no, there's no happiness. There's no joy. They just, they're just there existing, and that's not God's will. But until you come to a place that you can believe that and take God in his word and fully believe that you can have any and everything he said you could have, then you will live your entire life walled up and powerless. You'll continue to call famine fullness. See, that the problem is, is that hunger has to overtake us. How many of y'all get shaky and sweaty when you eat? How many of y'all get sweaty and shaky when we're doing a corporate fast? I don't know what's happened. I'm going to die. I haven't eaten in 20 minutes. Hunger has to overtake you. It was hunger that caused the four lepers to take action. So my question is, how hungry are you? When someone stands up here and says, you know what, I believe God can heal you. And if you believe my faith will link arms to your faith and will believe for a miracle. What I like is the amount of people that moved fast last Sunday. When I said, all right, you're going to get evangelist, JT, as soon as I called for sick folks, uh, uh, grown-ups were moving. I have not seen grown-ups move that fast ever, which means there's expectation, which means there's hunger, which means that people are believing God can do what he said he can do, which means they believe the spirit of God is here. You've seen it enough in the kids, and now you actually believe it enough to start moving. I need to proclaim to you that your famine is over, but I can't just keep proclaiming it. You actually have to get up and move. See, I like the lepers in the story because hunger caused me to take a chance 24 years ago. I think it was 24 years ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. More. Or when I was 24. That's, that's probably it. That's probably it. Closer. I was 24 years old, which I'll be 45. Yeah, so that's when it's 21. Um, but I had to trust God that he had the best for me. You know why it's so easy to pray for kids to receive what God wants for them? It's because they're not cynical. They're not jaded. They're not coming here like, I don't believe none of that. These kids are so sweet and so innocent and God can move. Why, why does it say you need to come to me as a child? Come to me with that simple faith and believe that I can do anything I say I can, and you will actually be where you need to be. But we come to God with all of our baggage. We don't believe anything. See, I came to a place where I believed that God could do what he said he could do. And my hunger drove me to be willing to ask and receive. The good news is the famine is over. All you have to do is ask and receive. It's a gift that's been promised. See, the defeat of the massive Syrian army came without 
Israel lifting a finger. Now, this is what I want to talk about is because people think they're not good enough. And you know what? If you think you're not good enough, I agree with you. You're not. See, we're already in agreement. If people think that I'm so messed up, God wouldn't want to use me. I agree that, that um, on, if you're looking at the, on the surface, you're right. But listen to this. You got four guys that are so unclean that they're considered just, just completely nasty by all the Jewish standards that they can't incorporate in society. God uses them to go to a place and they go by night. And when they get there, the entire Syrian army is gone because they heard something. So what happened? God defeated the entire army that besieged the city in almost complete and utter ruin and famine without Israel lifting a finger. If that is not God giving you salvation without you having to do anything for it, I don't know what is. It sounds like that's God's M.O., taking people that shouldn't be used, taking pe- and actually telling people that are not in a right standing with them, actually doing everything and defeating the enemy without raising a finger, and then giving them the spoils. If that's not God's M.O., I don't know what is. So here's what happens. The, 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 the four guys, these four, these four lepers get there and they go into a tent. And what do you do when you're in a famine? You start eating. So now they're eating and drinking because they left everything. Everything that Israel lost, the enemy army left because God made them hear something. So now the very thing that they wanted that was stolen from them that is now waiting for them to take. And so they start eating and drinking and then they, they start hiding some stuff. Boys, pay attention. That means you too. You're going to mess my, my ADD up and I'm going to be able to finish my message. See what I'm saying? Okay. And so now they start hiding stuff. They go into another tent and loot that tent and do the same thing and start hiding it and say, you know what? This is not right. That's where I am today. I want to let you know that 21 years ago, I don't know why God did it, but he filled me with this spirit. He changed my entire life. And then he has a sense of humor when he called me to preach. Because the first time he called me to preach, he said, I want you to preach in another language that you don't even know yet. Not a heavenly language. I want you to learn a different language so you can actually do what I want you to do. Okay, God, that's great. And as soon as I got good at that, he's like, no, try it back in English. So now, here we are. If that's not what, if that's not how good God is. But listen to me, this is what it is. So I'm the leper. Where I was when God found me, nobody wanted me. And then God says, go there. The very thing that threatened you is now gone. And the very thing that you wanted, I provided. And so now I am, I am blessed. I am spoiled rotten. My finances, my family, my faith, everything is so completely, I'm spoiled. I am good for nothing. But who would I be to have that and not tell you about it? So here's what happens. The four lepers, just like me, begin to tell people, begin to shout over the city wall. Why? Because they can't go in the city. The famine is over. All of, all of the army of Aram is gone. All the Syrians are gone. The king still didn't believe. He sent out guys on the last five horses. And they went out and said, you know what? It is just like they said. And then they opened the city gates. King had a brilliant idea, says, you know what? I want the guy who didn't believe to be the doorkeeper. Now, could you imagine? Let's just say it's that door right there. And let's just say that none of us have eaten in three weeks. And on the outside of that door, there's a buffet. 
but I have to hold the door open. What do you think is going to happen to me? Y'all are going to trample me. Pastor, no pastor, there's, there, there is food out there. And then you're going to say, I want pork chops and chicken and steak, and y'all going to run me over. Now try to do that in a city where there's so much famine or eating dead donkey head. And the very person that was cynical and thought that it was ridiculous that God could actually turn something around, he saw it but didn't live to enjoy it. People ran over him to get to what God gave them. I don't want anybody to be that cynical that you can watch people that sit on the same row as you get exactly what God promised. You come here every single Sunday. Don't waste your gas. You got, you got all nice. You did your hair. You smelling nice. Took a shower. All that. Why did you come on out here just to hear me yell and scream? No, you came out here to have an encounter with God. Why would you come out here and watch everybody else get what God promised, but you refuse to go? Because here is the thing is that nobody brought it into the city. Everybody had to go and get it. So if you're waiting for delivery and God just drop everything in your lap, you will die in your famine when there's feasting on the outside. Here's the crazy part is that everybody had to go where they were scared to go for years. I have to go outside the gate. Yeah. That's where the enemy is. No, 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 no. You don't understand. That's where all the bounty is. That's where everything that you're lacking in life is. That's where if there's food and drink and there's horses and donkeys and clothing, everything that was stolen from you and everything that you desire is out there, but you have to go. No, 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 bring it to me. No, 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 I'll hold the door open for you. I'm just holding the door open. Listen to me. I hope you don't come to church just because you want to see somebody um, develop a text. I hope you just don't come to church because you really like singing. Hope you don't come to church just because you really like the cookies and the individually wrapped Oreos outside. I hope you don't come because we got really good coffee. I'm glad you're here, but I hope you don't come for those things. I hope you actually come every single week because you're going to have an account with God and that you come either with a need or helping somebody else get what they need. I hope that's the reason. So here, how can we, how can we make this make sense? If you were to look at this, if I was going to explain this to Ethan or, or to Ian, if I was going to talk to Ian about it tonight when we're praying, the starvation of Samaria, the besiege, that represents our spiritual need. The Syrian armies that were around them, either, either I got this microphone weird or my beard is drawing really good that way. The Syrian armies represent Satan and his forces. Elijah represents the word of God. King Joram, which you got to go find his name because they hated him so much they didn't put his name in the text. King Joram and his, and his royal officials are the people that are bitter and cynical and will try to stand in your way of what God wants you to have. And the lepers are those who will share what God has given them. So when I go and we do our Bible tonight at 8 o'clock and I ask Ian what we talked about, I will have to tell him what we talked about because he's not listening. <laughs> That's how I'm going to break it down. So what are you saying, Pastor? What I'm saying is what are you hungry for? It's Pentecost Sunday. We are celebrating the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, the birthday of the New Testament church where, where, where Peter stood up with the 11 
and actually explain what was going on, where we get Acts 2.38, which is our New Testament, our new birth message. And Peter stood up and said, repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You shall receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, everyone you want to read. And the promise unto you and to your children, all the far off, as many as our Lord our God shall call. Wow, that's what it is. The, it was pouring out of the Spirit before there was a birthday of the New Testament church. And the exact same thing that happened to the, to the 120 in the upper room is the exact same thing that they expected to happen to everybody that believed. Now, why would we call ourselves like Christians and not want to have that experience? So my question is, what are you hungry for? I hope you're not hungry for another sermon series. Hope you're not hungry for a, another, I want to see Todd play six instruments at once. I think that we should get something on his leg so he can shake his leg. Um, I hope that we're not doing that. I mean, it's impressive to play one instrument, to play two or three. I don't know what y'all want. This is not a circus. This is not a spectator sport. This is, this is where we're supposed to get involved. So God has offered us a gift. To receive the gift, all we got to do is accept it. We can't earn it, nor do we need to beg for it. Peter's instructions on the day of Pentecost are still good. Repent and receive. Simply accept. You don't have to be in some emotional euphoric state to get this gift. You simply have to believe and receive. We talked about it in Luke eleven thirteen. If your little boy asks for, for a, a serving of fish, do you scare him with the live snake on his plate? If your little girl asks you for an egg, do you trick her with the spider? As bad as you are, you wouldn't think of such a thing. You're at least decent to your own children. And don't you think the Father who conceived you in love will give you the Holy Spirit when you ask him? But you do need to understand that God wants you to have the Holy Spirit. He's not going to withhold it from you. I know I shouldn't have to say this, but you're going to have to open your mouth. See, Acts 2 and 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues of the Spirit enabled them. It is the Spirit that speaks, but it's your voice they spoke. Why do we actually begin to praise God in a loud voice? Why? Why? In a voice we can hear. You can pray in your mind. Do that at your house. If you're trying to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can't pray in your mind. How are you going to, how is God going to give you the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you begin to speak in other tongues? You're not speaking. You need to speak. And when they had to open their mouth and use their voice and the Holy Spirit took over, we got to open our mouth. You need to understand that every time in, in, in the Bible someone was filled with the Holy Spirit, they had to speak. You have to understand that our, out of our praise in our own tongue, the Holy Spirit will give us utterance. That means you simply step out in faith and say what you hear the Spirit saying. Well, I'm afraid it's me in, in your own power. You can't do it. You're not going to lie to yourself. You're not going to come up here and fake it yourself. If you receive it, if you, if you as a grown person come up here and begin to praise God, and all of a sudden you begin to be speaking in a language you did not learn in school, it is God. You are not going to come here and lie to yourself. You can lie to somebody else you want to, but you better not lie to yourself. In his power, you can do it. But when we call people to receive, they come up and they, they clamp their mouth shut. And how can the Spirit speak if you don't give them voice? So this afternoon, this is where I think we're at. Those of you that have been filled need to understand that according to Jesus in John 7, 37-39, that the Holy Spirit is like water flowing in your house right now. It's constant and it's consistent. The only thing that's stopping the flow is the faucet. You do understand if, if you paid your water bill, you open up any faucet, water comes out. The only reason your house is not flooding now is because you stopped the flow. That is the only reason. That's the only reason. If you don't have a fresh experience with God, it's because you stopped the flow. That's the only thing. You need to release that flow again. Be refilled with power. Just don't, don't, don't close it up. Access is what you've been given. 
So an, an encounter 20 years ago and never used again means you need a new experience. If you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit years ago and you've never refilled yourself, you've never, you never spoken in your prayer language, that is a memory, not a daily act, active power uh, in a, a giving experience. You'd understand that this is not something we do one time. This is not some little checkbox. This is too many of us are like the lepers. We, we eat and then we hide it. So here's your opportunity to experience the Holy Spirit baptism. Would you stand with me, please? If, if you're here, if you have been filled and need to be refilled, or if you've never been filled, I'm imploring you today to let that hunger rule today. Come to a place where you simply become so hungry for all that God has and promise that you hit your face and simply ask for more. I don't have any other experience. So it's very, very hard for me to understand. Even after all these years of preaching, I never came to a church. I never went to a church that didn't believe in the Holy Spirit. I'd never been to a church that did not believe in the gifts of the Spirit, the moving of God's Spirit. I don't know what it's like for someone to tell me that I can't have something that God had already promised me. So I don't know why anybody would not want to have it. I don't know. I can't understand. I, I can...